Hey race fans, welcome to Talking Stock. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 15 of Talking Stock. Nova's playing us in on the strings as usual. I am here with my co-host Trey. Trey, how you doing? Hey Kyle, I'm doing pretty good. It's playoff season for NASCAR. College football is starting up. We get the NFL next weekend, so it's looking up. Fall season's here. This is an exciting time uh, for all sports. Yeah, definitely. August the 29th as we sit here. My Fighting Irish coming off of a fantastic win in Ireland. So it's good to have college football back. Trey, your Penn State Nittany Lions take on the West Virginia Mountaineers this Saturday. How you feeling about it? Pretty excited. I don't think West Virginia is supposed to be all that great this year. Uh, hopefully I don't have to talk about eating my words next week. Uh, Penn State has high expectations this year. Uh, I've seen a couple of people mocking them into the into the college football playoffs. It's going to be pretty tough with Michigan and Ohio State on the schedule, but I love my my uh, Nittany Lions there, so pretty excited. Yeah, definitely excited. Best time of the year coming up with NASCAR and the final stretch, football uh, starting up and baseball wrapping up. Going to be a good time. I'm excited. But, man, we were really treated uh, to a summer classic, really, as we get sit here at the end of August. Uh, the final Daytona race typically uh, is in the middle of the summer, now part of the, the end of uh, the NASCAR season right before the playoff, you know, kind of a lottery generator before we go in to potentially sh spit out another uh, playoff candidate. But that won't be the case as it was last year. It will be the differently this year as Chris Buescher wins his third race of 2023. What a spectacular win for the 17 there. Come, came into the season, I think he only had two wins and has three just this year. Uh and has himself sitting really nice in the playoff points. I think he's up to to fourth uh, to start the playoffs. So he could definitely make a late run, get himself into into the round of eight, or even find himself uh, in Phoenix battling for a championship. Super exciting race. Yeah. A lot of movement throughout. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, what do you what do you think, Trey? Uh, there's a lot of people. So this was the highest rated race. Uh, on Gluck's poll for Daytona, it was a it was a, a track record. It was like ninety eight. No, I'm sorry, ninety one point something. Um, so it was very well thought of. You know, I think Chris Buescher is a likable driver, which is fueling part of that. But what do you think about the race as a whole as we kind of went through it um, between single file racing? And I know the the end of the first stage was really exciting. So I felt like it was exciting for the the whole race. But what was your take on the race in its entirety and not just the end? I think it was super exciting. Um, you talked a little bit about single file racing. There wasn't a lot of it. They're typically formed into at least two lanes. And we saw there for a while, it was down up to three lanes, which was insane. I don't know how no one wrecked there. I mean, we can get into some of the, the crashes in a little bit here, but none of them happened when they were three wide, which is just spectacular. And I goes to both the drivers and the NASCAR for giving them a pretty awesome car in these next-gen cars. Yeah, I think it was a really fantastic race. It was, by and large, a pretty green race. A couple major cautions, but not all that many cars, I feel like, were tore up to the point where this was just – because there's certainly races at Daytona and Talladega that you just 
right off the finish because there was it was just attrition. Um, you know, there was certainly some wrecks, but I felt like for the most part, this was decided by good super speedway racing. Um, I think it was becoming a theme in the last gen car that turn the, the final turn in the dog leg there, that was just going to be a wreck. And whoever came out of that was going to win the race, but this was racing to the finish. It was really exciting. Um, obviously things were decided a little early because Brad and Chris got so far out, uh, and there just wasn't enough time for that, mo- that run to come back to everyone behind him on the inside line. It just, the race was over. It was just proper speedway racing from the Roush Fenway Kozlowski cars. Um, but as far as how the race kind of unfolded, I was entertained the whole time. I thought it was a really great Daytona race. The super speedway racing has been pretty good recently, um, last year or two. So no complaints for me there. I thought it was pretty exciting. Uh, but going forward, I would definitely look uh, to see how Talladega plays a factor if we're going to get a surprise winner or not. Because we've been mostly seeing uh, on these tracks people that are accustomed to being up there, good super speedway racers. But as we get, get into the playoffs here, I wonder if that can be something that kind of shakes things up. Yeah, I think w- once we get to Talladega, we could see something like that. Um, but I hope the rest of the year we just get more races like this race that it wasn't just a, a late race caution and someone dove into the corner and somehow came out of nowhere to get the win. Uh, I think that the ending was a little anticlimactic in, in overtime there, but that's because Brad just pushed Chris all the way to the finish, basically. And I think Brad might have had a chance to to maybe take the win there, uh, but it could have possibly cost both of those cars uh, a, a, a crash there on that last lap. So excited for both those uh, uh, Roush Fenway Kozlowski guys making hopefully deep runs into the playoffs here. But God, we saw a couple interesting crashes this weekend. Just curious to see, you know, your thoughts there, how NASCAR has just improved the safety so much over the years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we go chronologically, I think there was two really big hits. Um, the first being Ryan Blaney's wreck, um, you know, just directly straight in the wall, kind of the, the wreck that unfortunately has taken many drivers prior to the invention of the Hans. Um, you know, everybody thinks of Earnhardt uh, specifically. That is how he wrecked. But it wasn't just Daytona. That type of wreck where you're going 90 degrees straight into the wall um, was almost always fatal with that um, basilar skull fracture. Um, so it's safety has really progressed in the last 20 years with since the Hans. But when you factor in, if if you replay that wreck, how much the safer barrier really gives uh, gives to the car and, and disperses that energy, um, it's not as bad as it could have been for Ryan Blaney. I, I hate to say that the expectation is that he leaves the car, but thankfully we are at that point where, you know, we expect our drivers to walk away or at least, you know, be okay overall when they leave the race car. But while Ryan Blaney looked a little shaken up, you know, after a violent hit at a hundred and probably 90 straight into the wall, um, you know, he was, he was fine. So I think that was really great for NASCAR. Secondly, with priest, that was the biggest, most unbelievable crash we've seen in the next gen. Um, obviously, I mean, Ryan priest just seems to be a magnet for these sort of things. Cause it was his car that got hit by Larson that like bent right earlier in the season. So this was really great. It's unfortunate it's Ryan priest, but even though you saw the, the hatch come off, you know, he was fine. That was a violent wreck. You don't see wrecks like that too often. That was often commonplace 
30 years ago. Um, but this was a, a wreck that you don't see too often where he he's flipping through the air violently. Uh, so much G-force on you in, in that spin. It's really incredible. But thankfully, both of those drivers were okay. Yeah, I think 20 years ago, we definitely would have witnessed a, a fatality or a serious injury with with one of these two crashes uh, at, at a place like Daytona. Um, but thankfully, both of them walked away pretty much seemed unscathed. I know that Ryan Priest stayed overnight at the, at the hospital there, but they announced on Monday that he uh, was on his way back to back home to North Carolina. So that was really great to see. And just a lot of appreciation to NASCAR um, and their teams. They're finding ways just continuously improving the safety in these cars. Um, so that I would say that there's probably a pretty good chance that we see both of these drivers this weekend at Darlington. Um, where even just a couple years ago, they might not have been bouncing back that quick. So shout out to them for that. Uh, really excited to to be able to witness a crash and and have pretty good confidence that everyone's going to walk away okay. Definitely. Uh, a major shout out to NASCAR for that. Those were very serious hits and glad to hear everyone was okay. But on the next note, while I think all of those drivers will be racing next week, it doesn't seem like Chase Elliott will be racing next week for anything that really counts as far as his repeat as a champion. The car did get in. The nine car got in for the owner's cup, but he did not make the NASCAR playoffs. He failed to make it. Um, I thought he had a chance. I really thought NASCAR was going to get their storybook ending there at Daytona. He finished his fourth, I think, uh, overall. But Chase, the golden boy, Trey, he does not make the 2023 cup playoffs. Yeah, screw you, Chase Elliott. No, I'm just kidding. I thought that I thought that there might be a chance that he gets into victory lane there the way that the ending was shaping up. But one thing I want to note is I didn't necessarily love the NBC coverage of Chase Elliott throughout the entire day. It was just constantly, where's Chase at? Can Chase make the playoffs? When there was like six or seven other drivers that I felt could have made it and were leading laps, Chase Briscoe, I think, led 60-some laps. Eric Almarola was up at the front even at the end. So there was several other guys that were in winning your in situations that didn't get nearly the amount of coverage that Chase Elliott got. And I know that he's, you know, NASCAR's most popular driver. So they're going to try and push for him and, and market him, but just didn't necessarily seem fair. And it kind of made me rooting against him when I, when I saw all the coverage rooting for him to get in. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It was definitely a bit much, but I, I also understand NASCAR's perspective of, you know, trying to keep these guys involved. Unfortunately for NASCAR, I think they're about to see a pretty major ratings dip. Um, it's just the Elliott bump. There's so many fans that tune in for him. Now the rest of the season is more or less irrelevant. I mean, r realistically, the owner's cup is almost more important than the actual driver championship. Um, but fans don't look at it that way. Um, Chase Elliott fans definitely aren't going to look at it that way, in my opinion. Um, so his season's pretty much over as far as the fans are concerned uh, of his. So I think NASCAR is going to take a hurting on that. And that's a real shame um, because I think if you remember a couple of years ago, um, Kevin Harvick and Dale Jr. started a little bit of a feud where Kevin had mentioned that he felt like Dale Jr.'s lack of a championship stunted the growth of NASCAR. Chase is a champion. Um, no one's taking that away from him. This is a major letdown for the sport, 
because of the consequences of him not making the playoffs. Um, him, in my opinion, recklessly. I mean, there's one thing to be playing. I know I always say Hamlin because he's my my favorite driver. You know, he plays basketball. You can get hurt doing anything. By and large, playing pickup hoops, you're going to be pretty much fine. I think in season snowboarding, no matter how experienced you are, I think was a risk. And I think that that's a risk that honestly it makes me look at Elliot a little differently. I mean, if I was if I was Napa, if I was Hooters, if I was Hendrick, if I was NASCAR, I'd be pretty pissed because he draws people and he's being expected to perform at the level of your Patrick Mahomes, your LeBron James. He's the face of the sport right now. And if it were up to me, he wouldn't be, no offense, because he doesn't really have too much going on in the personality department. And I'm, we're about the same age, and there's nothing that he really does where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my guy. You know, That's why he's the man. There's nothing really going on there personality-wise. He's, In my opinion, he's just a name. I think he's a great driver. Let's not get anything twisted there. Chase Elliott is a fantastic driver. He's got a fantastic team. But you're expected... This is just like, like we're Steelers fans, for those who don't know. It's just like when Roethlisberger wrecked his freaking bike, you know, in my opinion. It, that's a major letdown. Now, obviously, I'm sure he knows that. He's had enough people tell him that over the course of this year. And, unfortunately, the consequences, he don't he doesn't make the playoffs for, for the cup points. But that's on him, and I don't really feel bad about it. So I'm sorry if you're a Chase Elliott fan. I, I really don't have anything against him specifically, but I just think that that – is unfortunately his reality. You know, he, he this is his fault. There's no one to blame but himself. No, that's all all very good points there. Chase Elliott definitely going to hurt NASCAR, um, but may, it might build for next year. You know, build that storyline. You know, Chase Elliott misses the playoffs in 2023. What can he do in 2024? So I can already see the headlines next year when when we head into Daytona and they're pushing for him to make a run at another championship. So. Excited to see that, but really excited for these playoffs. I think that there's a lot of drivers um, that have a chance that that we might not be expecting right now to, to make a run at the end, and we can get into those picks here in a little bit. Let's get into some of the rumor mill uh, news of the week. So this weekend, obviously, we have saw over the course of the past couple of weeks that 42 car has kind of jumped around with who's been driving it, but Carson Hosovar heading back to the 42. So pretty excited for that. A good young driver. Excited to see what he can do. Yeah, definitely. I think he gave a really impressive run at Gateway until uh, he had a rotor go on him. So I'm anxious to see what he can do. This is an odd track. Uh, obviously, Darlington's the the strange shape. But uh, I expect him to do relatively well. Uh, you know, as well as can be expected of that team. Uh, this year, they have not been super great. Um but that being said, last year's Southern 500 winner was the 43 in Eric Jones. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I expect him to look pretty good. Uh, this has been good experience for him because he'll he'll soon be in cup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he finds himself in cup next year, possibly in the 42 ride. I think there's going to be several open rides here uh, coming up. So excited to see what uh, silly season brings for us. Uh and where, where guys go and who gets called up uh, essentially from the minors to the big leagues. Yeah, certainly exciting stuff as it is every year where rookie drivers are able to get that new chance. 42, I think, with Toyota will be a good ride. So I'm anxious to see how that goes. But 
Trey, as we get along here, we are about to preview the Southern 500. Before we get into that, I want to pre- preview the playoffs as a whole, who we expect to be there at the end, and how did we do compared to when we picked all of this in May? So we're going to compare our picks from May. We're going to update them if we feel like they're needed. We want to check out any surprise contenders and just get into how we feel these playoffs are going to shape up. Yeah, so I started off with the the 8 of Kyle Busch, the 24 of Willie B, the 12 of Ryan Blaney, and the 5 of Kyle Larson as my uh, playoff drivers back in May. Uh, I'm going to keep the 24 and the 5, so I'm going to keep the two Hendrick boys. I think you know the 24 definitely has been super solid all year. He has five wins now. The 5 maybe not so much, but I just feel that Kyle Larson's one of those guys that come playoff time, he really shows up and, and puts out for, for his team, and his team always gives him a rocket ship. The two I'm going to change, though, so unfortunately, I don't think Kyle Busch is going to make it. He started off super hot there with, with uh, Childress. I still think that they're a good team, and I think that they might make a run, um, and who knows? I'd love to see them in the Final Four, but I'm going to change out the eight for the 11 of Denny Hamlin. Just been solid week in and week out, and then going to change Ryan Blaney for – the 19 of Martin Truex. I actually think Martin's going to go on and get his second championship. He's been the class act of the field, uh, winning week in and week out and running top five consistently. Uh, back in May, I had my surprise run as bad Brad Kozlowski. He hasn't gotten that win yet, but I think that he's certainly been a surprise running consistently at the top of the field and pointing his way into the playoffs and could certainly find himself in victory lane before it's all said and done. Um, so beyond that, I think that guys like, uh, Chris Busher will certainly be, be battling it out in the end. Um, I don't know on the back end. I don't know if there's necessarily a surprise from a guy like maybe Michael McDowell or, or Bubba Wallace, but stranger things have happened. We go to Kansas here in a couple weeks and, uh, the 23, 11 team's always been good there. So you never know, maybe Bubba sneaks one out there and, and continues his quest, uh, through the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, as far as myself, uh, I, I feel pretty good about how I picked it. Uh, my initial championship four was William Byron, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Uh, as far as what I'm going to go with now, I'm going to keep Byron. I'm going to take Larson out. I'm going to put Martin Truex Jr. in. Listen, Hendrick Motorsports is going to be competitive. I feel like there's a great shot for Larson to make it regardless. He could win at Darlington this weekend. It wouldn't shock me. Um but honestly, they've been too inconsistent for my liking. I think that eventually they just don't have it when it counts. I think he's the best driver, but as a team, they've just not really been there this year. So I'm going to put them out. I'm going to take Harvick out, and I'm going to put in Chris Busher. Uh, Chris Busher, right now, RFK is one of the most sound teams week in and week out. As far as getting to the championship four, you're going to have to be consistent. And I just think that they've been especially compared to their past, the epitome of consistency. Now, he has won three of the last five races, which helps it. But his playoff points, fourth in playoff points, he will probably make it to the round of eight, almost on basically not screwing up. So I think there's some favorable tracks for him. He dominated Bristol Night Race last year. I think Chris Busher is going to be really tough to knock out. And then the last car I'm going to give uh, a championship spot to is Denny Hamlin. They've been extremely consistent this year. I think they've got one of the best drivers. They've got one of the best crew chiefs. 
And they've showed it this year. They were really close to the regular season title. But, Trey, out of your four, I'm going to pin you to one here. Who wins in Phoenix? Yeah, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think it's going to be Martin Truex. Uh, I think he's determined to get one, you know, missed the playoffs last year. So, as I talked earlier, maybe it's the that Chase Elliott story of next year, uh, coming back from not even making the playoffs to, to winning the championship. So, that'd be a really great story for for Martin there. Like Martin a lot, so would be excited to see that. I just think that he's been been dominant uh, throughout most of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that the two Toyota teams that we have picked are extremely competitive to make and win a championship. Uh, between Hamlin and Truex, you've got so much experience, so many race wins, all of JGR backing them up. And while I think they're both going to make it to Phoenix, Toyota sucks at Phoenix right now, and I haven't really heard anything to say that they're going to be better at Phoenix. So I think they send two cars. I think William Byron wins the championship. He's been good when it counts. They've lucked into some wins, but they've been, they've been tough. And I, I like Busher, but I'm not sure that, I mean, that would be incredible if, if RFK won. But I think that it, the Hendrick kind of reign right now continues. And I think it's going to be William Byron that wins the championship. But as far as this race, Trey, coming up, Southern 500, crown jewel race. We kick off the playoffs. How do you feel about the Southern 500 this week? Yeah, Labor Day weekend. Only one of the most American weekends there is. Uh, maybe not Memorial Day at Charlotte or July 4th when we used to run at Daytona. Uh, but this is a super exciting weekend. I was here a couple years ago with my family, uh, with my parents there, and saw Denny Hamlin edge out uh, Kyle Larson, uh battling it down, uh, bumping into the wall and, and whatnot. That was a lot of fun. Really cool experience. Um, from what I remember, the track's kind of in like the middle of nowhere. Like you drive down these dark roads and then all of a sudden you're at the track. Uh, so it was pretty pretty interesting to get there. Uh, I remember I had uh, booze-filled uh, ice cream, which was pretty good, but they give you a little, little uh, cup of it and pretty expensive for what you probably get, but it was interesting and never seen that before. So it's definitely a cool experience. Crown Jewel event, a lot of fun to be there. The lady in black always, always excites. Definitely. And as far as your experience there, Trey, being that this is one of the crown jewels for NASCAR, when you come to the track on race day, what makes it different than just a race like, say, when we went to Richmond in April? I think that there's just a different type of – hype and, and vibe to it, especially it's the start of the playoffs. So the, the the fans are really into it. Whereas, you know, you mentioned Richmond when we were there last year, I think the fans were into it, but it was just like, okay, it's just another race. Whereas here it's like, this counts, this means something. These guys are out there battling for, for possibly a chance to go to the championship. You know, if you win there, you know, automatically now into the round of 12, just can really, really carry momentum throughout the rest of the playoffs. So the vibe is just super upbeat. Uh, a lot of, a lot of going on, a lot of signs, a lot of, a lot of venues that have like stands set up. So pretty cool there. Well, Trey, I'm aw awfully excited to see how this race goes and then try and now that I have that experience that you had in my head, watch as we kind of take it in from television this week. But as we predict this race, it's, it's been a tough race forever. It's a very difficult track. You know, the Darlington Stripe, the Lady in Black. Trey, what do you expect to come out of this uh, in, in the race predictions? 
yeah, I expect some some guys battling for their lives. Essentially, this is one of those that you know you see the guys truly fighting the race car to keep it out of the fence, out of the cars around them. A lot of action throughout the pack, so pretty exciting. Um, but I'm expecting a veteran to get the win here. For sure, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's going to be one of those racetracks where the top guys uh, that have been doing this for a while come away with a win. But to recap our point standings as of now, the score is 20 to 15. Trey, Trey and I both tagged a point last week. Mine for Brad Kozlowski, Trey for the race winner, Chris Busher. And as we go into Darlington, I agree with Trey's sentiment that a veteran driver will come away with a win. I think it's someone that's very experienced at this track over 500 miles. I think Denny Hamlin is the winner of the Southern 500 another time. Yeah, that's a great pick. Obviously I saw him win back in 2021, but I'm going to go with a guy that hasn't gotten a win yet this year, but has found himself in the playoffs and, you know, sent him out on a high note. This is certainly not the first time we've picked him this year. Probably won't be the last one, uh, but I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick finding himself in victory lane and maybe building something for that Stuart Haas team that doesn't have a whole lot going for them besides, besides the four of Kevin there. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Kevin Harvick has been awfully tough to count out this season. He's been close to a couple wins, but I would love to see it get done this week. As far as my three of five, obviously Hammond will be in there. I think William Byron has done well there recently. He won obviously in the spring. He could have won two springs ago uh, when Joey Logano moved him out of the way at throwback weekend. So I think he'll be pretty tough. And if you remember the class, of the field in the spring was Ross Chastain. Obviously his run in with Kyle Larson prematurely ended both of their days. But I think my top three five will be Hamlin, Byron, and Ross Chastain. Always a good pick. Yeah, I can never count out a the race winner from earlier in the year. So like that uh that Willie B pick. But I'm gonna stick with uh Kevin Harvick, obviously, in my my top three of five. Uh as long along with uh Denny Hamlin and Kyle Bush, two two veteran drivers. I think that this is a track, like I said, that they're just gonna be battling the cars and it's gonna come down to the experience and and the grit with with those drivers. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to see one of my more favorite uh, racetracks uh, as we go throughout this season. The, the significance of the Southern 500 is always exciting. So hopefully we have a good race in store for us on Sunday. Finally, we'll get into our question here as we continue to wrap up. This is a fan, the fan question from our Twitter DMs. It says, do you prefer Darlington as thro- the, the Darlington throwback weekend in the spring or do you prefer it for the Southern 500? Yeah, I think that this one's pretty easy for me to say I like it in the spring and let the Southern 500 be its own weekend. It's a crown jewel event to begin with before it was throwback, throwback weekend. So let it have its its due justice. It's the start of the playoffs. So I think that there's a lot for NASCAR to build there, whereas maybe in the spring it doesn't have as much notoriety. So making that the the throwback weekend, I think, just brings in a lot more viewership than what they might've originally had and allows it to be its own separate weekend instead of it competing with it being the Southern 500 and the start of the playoffs. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You wouldn't have a throwback weekend uh, at Daytona for the 500 either. You know, this is a moment. Uh, Let it be its own thing. And I think that NASCAR making that change was definitely the right move. Uh, and I'm certainly excited to see what's going to be, I'm sure, a great Southern 500 this weekend. Darlington's been pretty solid in the next gen, so I'm excited to see what we see. But as always, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Talking Stock Pod. We want you to know, uh, we want to know what you 
are rooting from and who you're rooting for. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Enjoy Darlington. Mm-hmm.